0: Well, like the video said, we are on week two of our September series this month, called Pursued by Passion, uh, and and really what we're talking about is we're breaking down the story of the gospel. Uh, I think that sometimes, you know, the and, and I think that you could preach the gospel from any different angle, the love of Jesus from any angle, but we were you know, coming through the summer and just seeing what God is doing in the world around us, we, we became so aware of the necessity for us to understand the lengths and the depths of God's intense love for us. And, and so today, uh, the title of my message is The Crush and the Cross. The Crush and the Cross. And, and before I get started, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to everybody uh, who's here. Uh, you know, you are the true heroes this morning, uh, that you have braved the news and the opinions and the stuff, and you are here. To everybody that's in our Buffalo campus and watching online, man, we are so unbelievably grateful. I'm actually getting blown up as we speak, uh, because Buffalo is just having an amazing day. They're they're growing. They have their highest attendance so far, uh, and and it's phenomenal how... You can go to church on the stream, you can go to church in an office building, you can go to church in a church, because how many of you know we don't go to church, but we are the church, right? Um, and so, a huge thank you to, for being here. I mean, it's, it's success in the fact that you have been here, and we're so thankful that you gave us a little bit of time on a Sunday morning for us to be able to spend talking about the goodness of our Savior Jesus, because He's totally worth it. And so this morning, uh, to get started, uh, I want to talk to people this morning, maybe a specific group of people, and as specific as it is, I'm sure that each and every one of us can find ourselves in this category, Uh, to people who feel like, you know what, Alex, I have blown it, Uh, you know, and and I've blown it, uh, but not just blown it, but, uh, you know, maybe different seasons of my life, I have blown it. Big time. And, and let me tell you, I am very, very familiar with what it feels like to have blown it. It's a, an emotion that is very, and unfortunately, maybe common in my life. I can remember when I first started to preach. You know, it looks good right now, it's pretty packaged and put together, but I can remember just a few short years ago, you know, my parents had given me this great opportunity to be able to preach. And You know i take all my notes and i do all the stuff and i get ready and i put on my best clothes and i go and i stand up and i think that i read the title of my sermon my mind immediately after that decides that this is the best time to go blank i had no idea what i was gonna say and after my parents took a chance on me my mom of all people my mother had to run up on stage and rescue me as i Hung my head in shame and walked away. And 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 maybe that story, although maybe you've never preached the message, maybe that story feels familiar to you. Maybe you know you've made a, a vow that you would stop doing something and you find yourself continuing to come back to that thing. Maybe there's some sin in your life and, and you're just so so bothered and so sick of dealing with it, but yet you find yourself just living in that cycle. Maybe you find yourself here this morning and you hurt someone. Maybe you did something. You betrayed someone's trust. You said something or you did something and you feel like you've blown it. Maybe you did something and you disappointed yourself. Maybe you find yourself here this morning and you feel as though you've disappointed God. You know, maybe you found yourself, you know, through COVID, you got yourself into too much debt. Or maybe you weren't there for somebody in their time of need. Maybe you neglected your marriage and you thought that everything was okay, and then you woke up one day and realized it actually isn't okay. Maybe, you know, you were hard on your children, and you thought that hard was the way, but now that your kids are getting older, they're starting to pull away from you. Wherever you are, I'm sure that there's a situation in our life that we would all say we feel as though we've blown it. We wished that we had another chance, and you find yourself as so many people do waking up one day wondering how did my life turn out this way you know i messed up i i never thought that something like this you know maybe to other people maybe this would be a part of somebody else's story but me never me i never imagined that i would find myself in a situation like this and I want to encourage you that if you find yourself in that particular scenario this morning, that you are in good company. In fact, the majority of scripture was written about people who God was able to use in spite of all of their mess ups. And The person that we're going to focus on this morning is the Apostle Peter. You know, I really feel bad for Peter, because he was a really great, well-intentioned guy, but for the majority of messages that are preached about Peter, they're really preached in an unfortunately negative light, because while Peter took a lot of chances and stepped out and took a lot of risks, Peter unfortunately finds himself in the category of blown it more times than the majority of the other disciples, and I'm sure that for many of you as you've read through the books of the Bible that you would say if anyone deserves to be counted out, Peter was the guy. And we're going to pick up on a passage that I think was the climactic moment of Peter's or what should have been Peter's disqualification. And that's in Luke chapter 22. And and, and this week and this month, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the gospel. We're going to talk about the good news. We're going to talk about God's amazing loved letter that he's written to us and signed and sealed with the blood of his one and only son. The letter that shows us, the book that shows us that God would go to absolutely any lengths to reach any person, no matter where they are, no matter what they've done, no matter what situation you may find yourself in. Can I tell you something that the apostle Paul said, that there is absolutely nothing that can separate you from the love that God has for you. The Bible says it very clearly that while we were sinners, he didn't die for the best of us, he didn't die for the top, the elite, no, the Bible says that while we were sinners, when you were in your lowest moment, when you just did the worst thing you ever did, it was that moment that Jesus looked at you and said, you are worthy of my love. And, and this morning, you know, I, I titled it The Crush and the Cross, but, you know, we're actually not going to talk about the cross this morning, which now is kind of looking back feel like but we're going to talk about the situation or kind of the scenario that played out around the moment or this time in Jesus's life of the passion or the crucifixion season and we read through the scenario and a little bit of a backstory is I'm sure the majority of you have read it is you know Jesus is has his last supper and he, he knows that he's about to be betrayed. And in the middle of dinner, he tells his disciples that tonight, all of you are going to fall away because of what is about to happen in my life. And, and I wish it was Andrew or somebody else, but it wasn't. It was Peter. And, and Peter says, no, Jesus, never. If everybody else does, I won't. And And Jesus looks at Peter and says, you know, Peter, I I know that you think that, and I know that you want that to be the truth, but the truth is before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me, and not deny me once or twice, but you're going to deny me three times. And we know Peter goes on to make the statement that says, even if I have to die, I will never deny you. And we see this, that Peter eventually goes on and denies Jesus, but not just even denies Jesus, denies even knowing who Jesus is. He denies even the understanding that this man is alive, and he does it not once, not twice, but we see Peter deny Jesus three times. And, and this is where we pick up in, in Luke chapter 22, verses 54, it says this, Then seizing Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. And Peter, come on, what does that say on there? Peter followed, let me hear you, one, two, three, in Buffalo. Peter followed at a distance. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them and and I want to talk a little bit this morning about Peter's mistakes. Because how many of you know Peter did some amazing things? I mean, Peter has probably one of the most epic exchanges in Scripture. We talked about it a few weeks ago as, you know, Jesus is asking the disciples, who do you say, who do men say that I am? And, and they say, well, some say you're this, and you're John the Baptist, and some say you're Elijah or one of the other prophets. And, and Peter pipes up and says... You're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of the living God. And, and Jesus has this moment where he tells him, You know, Peter, this is not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but the very Spirit of God reveals this to you. And, and on this, Peter, I will build my church. And Peter has this amazing moment with God, but we find him in Luke chapter 22 denying the very existence of Jesus. And I asked myself this question as I read through this passage, what is it that kept Peter from being the hero? Because you see, Jesus saw Peter as the hero. I mean, we see time and time again in scripture after scripture after scripture, Jesus was intensely determined to display to Peter the truth of who he really was, right? We could think about when Jesus, Peter calls to Jesus and he's on the water and Jesus says, what? No, no, stay there, Peter, stay in the boat, it's too. No, Jesus says, come, and, and we see time after time, Peter and Jesus having these exchange where Jesus is absolutely bent on helping Peter to understand who he is. And, but we see that in this passage of scripture, Peter steps out of this place where Jesus is trying to get him. And and I wrote down a few notes about this, about Peter's mistakes, about what kept him from being the hero. And the first one is that Peter underestimated his own weakness. Peter underestimated his own weakness. You know what I've realized, especially going through this really, really strange and intense and awful season of life where there's so much stuff happening around us is that human beings, you know, we are truly capable of almost anything. We're capable of amazing heights and ingenuity and creativity, but we're also capable of doing some of the meanest, nastiest, rotten things in humanity and, and we're capable of doing all these things. And I think that's why in first Corinthians 10, Paul tells us, you know, be careful when you think that you're standing, uh, because you might fall. Right. And, And we see this and, and we see that sometimes you're really strong in an area and really weak in other areas. Sometimes we see that we can be really strong in an area and then we start to neglect that area and all of a sudden our strength becomes our weakness. And, and, and we see this happening in our life of, and where Peter, where in one moment, he's so determined of his strength. It's only a matter of hours later before we see his very strength become his most intense weakness. You know, I, I know this about myself even is that I like to think of myself as a rather self-disciplined person. I mean, when I set my mind to something, I could do it. I mean, I could not eat sugar for 10 years if I made a quality decision that this was something that I was gonna do. Uh, But let me tell you something, if one of you this afternoon, driving home from church cuts me off, I mean, you better know that that self-controlled nature that won't eat sugar for a year, he gonna flip. And you're going to get honked at and swerved at. And I'm going to throw some things maybe out the window at you. Why? Because we could be so strong in some areas. yet so weak in others. I heard somebody say one time that acknowledging weakness is the first step to truth, true, true strength. I think that sometimes where we can miss the gospel message of Jesus is we think that Jesus is looking for strong people. And because of that, we live these isolated, we live these you know, uh, inward realities where we hide the trueness of who we are because we feel that Jesus is out here looking for strong people. And I think that this is the moment that Peter has with Jesus where he's just trying to show Jesus this great thing that, Jesus, that he thinks Jesus wants on the outside. Instead of being able to step back and realize there's something in me, there's this gnawing, there's this reality in me that's keeping me from being able to be the hero that I know I was born to be. The second thing that I noticed about this passage of scripture is it says that the part that we repeated together it said that Peter followed at a distance, he follows Jesus at a distance. You know something i've learned in this last season of my life in seeking the lord and having a relationship with god is that we choose the degree to which how close we are with god i think sometimes we can think that god again wants to be close to great people god wants to be close to the people that got it all together and we somehow settle for less because we feel like, how could God ever love someone like me? I've heard people say it to me in, in, in different settings that, you know, I could understand that God would die for someone like Mother Teresa. I can understand that God would die, but surely, you, you don't know what I've done. And sometimes we, like Peter, can allow our shame, our challenges, our difficulties to be the very thing that keeps us from following after Jesus closely. And, and I think this is the thing is that sometimes, you know, like Paul said this, and I would have probably changed the passage of Scripture a little bit, but Paul says, you know, I want to know you in the power of your resurrection. And honestly, if I was writing this passage of Scripture, I would have stopped there. I don't know about you, but I would have stopped there because you know, like, yes, I wanna know those parts of God, right? I wanna know the parts of God that are good and favorable. And I wanna know the parts of God that's gonna turn it around for my good. And and I wanna know the parts where he'll never leave me and he'll never forsake me. But that's not what Paul wrote. Paul wrote, yes, I wanna know you in the power of your resurrection, but I also wanna know you in the fellowship of your suffering. You see, we choose how closely we follow after Jesus. And I don't, know, I don't know about you, but thank you for that singular clap. Uh, let it resonate in the heavens, Lord. I realized something, and this is the way that I feel about things in my own life, is, is I like to get to things early. Like, I'm an early comer to church. I mean, other than Sandy and now my Aunt Joy, I'm really the first person who gets in the door. And I got my shirt on, my seat, and, and, because I want to be in the front. I want to be in the action. And, and really, I learned this principle going to hockey games when I was young, okay? When I was younger, we were not necessarily uh, financially affluent, uh, and so when I had the great opportunity to go to a hockey game, we typically would sit up in the tops. I think that also our Scottish heritage is that we have this spiritual gifting of cheapness. And, and so if there's a $100 ticket and there's a $15 ticket, when I was young at least, not anymore, Hallelujah to Jesus. Uh, We would choose to sit in the nosebleed section. But then there was one time, I actually remember I was dating a girl and her dad had season tickets and and we sat right behind the glass. And it might as well have been that I had never seen a hockey game up until that moment because there's something different about being up close. There's something that's different. Was it the same games that I was watching? I mean, technically, yes, but there's something different. There's an energy there's a reality about following Jesus closely that I mean the front row sections you're blessed to receive the holy spit that's coming out of my mouth as as I bless you and bless the rest of your days and there's something different about following closely and we know very clearly that Peter was close he spent seasons of being close in fact really the transition of what happens in peter's life happens so abruptly in that we we see you know, hours before his denials of Jesus, we see Peter going up to bat against the Roman army. We see that, you know, there's the moment when they, uh, they come and they're trying to grab a hold of Jesus. And what does Peter do? Peter pulls out his sword and slices off a guy's ear. Now, now I think that maybe Peter needed glasses uh, because my guess is that Peter was actually trying to, you know, chop the dude's head off. But, you know, he was kind of like double vision and couldn't see really clearly And Peter, in this moment, because of his close interaction with Jesus, he was actually willing and ready to die for him. But then we see this. We see this moment where he starts to follow Jesus at a distance, and something changes. I find that even in my own life is the more distance between me and Jesus, the more aware of my own humanity I become. And the more aware of my humanity, my frailty, my weaknesses, my insecurities, it just causes that divide to begin to grow and grow. And I, in myself, understand why Peter would deny Jesus. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, and I feel like going through a season in time like COVID, I think that if we're honest with ourselves, we realize that sometimes we could become so aware with our, of our humanity we can allow the distance between the reality and the love of Jesus to grow so wide. But you see, what stops us from being the hero is our awareness of our stuff, our weaknesses, our frailties. And it goes on to say in Luke chapter 22, verse 56, it says this, A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight, and she looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But in 57, it says he denied it. You know, woman, I I don't know him. And he said, and a little later, someone else saw him and said, you are one of them. And and he says, man, I'm not. And, And Peter replies, and about an hour later, another person asserts and says, certainly this fellow was with him. For he's a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And You know, Luke was only one of the writers of this gospel account. And if you look over into Matthew's account of this story, he makes a statement, and it says this. It says, may there be a curse on me if I'm lying. He's basically saying, like, I swear to God. You know, we do that sometimes. to try to prove that we're being so honest. and, And he says that. And I realized something is that Peter didn't fool anybody but himself. I think that sometimes that's a harsh reality that as we grow in God and as we grow in our understanding of his love and as we begin to allow him and allow that love to change us, I think that if we're honest with ourselves in some of the areas of our lives that we're allowing to separate us from God's love, I think that often the only person that we're fooling is ourselves you know I don't have a problem you know no no I could quit this I mean I'm just doing it because I want to I could quit this at any time you know I you know I'm not weak you know my marriage no 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 come on she's just complaining our marriage is totally fine and instead of becoming the hero we become the villain in our story and this we have this climactic moment I think that we're Jesus interacts with Peter. It says this in Luke twenty-two sixty. 60. It says, as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And that would be the worst moment. You know, if that was me and I was Peter and I had just denied Jesus three times, I would scour the city for every rooster and I would chop their heads off because maybe I denied you, but there are gonna be no roosters crowing this morning. And it says this, as Jesus was speaking, the rooster crowed. And it says, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Man, the intensity of that moment. You know, at this point, we know that Jesus would have already been beaten. He would, have, he would have been looking at Peter through black and blue, bloody eyes. And, you know, his eyes would have been swollen and, you know, probably would have blood coming out of his nose and maybe out of his mouth. And he has this moment of interaction with Jesus. It says, then Peter remembered the words that the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you'll disown me three times. And Peter went outside. Scripture says, "Ah," and he wept bitterly. I think sometimes the best thing that we can do for ourselves is begin to examine It's hard. I've done it in different seasons of my life, typically short-lived, because sometimes you don't necessarily want to see the state that you're in, but I think that sometimes the greatest thing that you can do is really let yourself see yourself. I think that in this moment, the scripture says that he wept bitterly and And I think that really this moment was a catalytic moment. I mean, probably the lowest of low of any human being who's ever lived on the earth. But I believe that this moment, the moment when Peter was confronted with the very things that were keeping him from being the hero, I believe this was the moment that launched Peter into where we see him in the book of Acts living out. And we see this moment of him weeping and the rock, Peter. Jesus calls him the rock, and the rock begins to crumble, you know, denying Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. And honestly, with this, I can identify, you know. I could lose my temper at times. We were just talking the other day in my parents' pool as we're re-enneagramming the whole world and talking about how you know sometimes anger can just like when i get nervous or insecure about things that my automatic thing is you know lola gets hurt and i get mad at danielle and it's like why am i why am i mad at danielle right but and i can identify as i'm like oh i don't want to do this anymore i don't want to be this i don't want to honk at this person i don't want to speed around them but i find myself going back and doing the same things over and over i i don't want to doubt i i don't want to look the other way i don't want to change the channel i i don't want to neglect these things in my life anymore and and like peter like you like me so often we find ourselves in situations where we've just blown it but i heard a preacher say this probably one of the greatest greatest statements i've ever heard he said this never put a period where god puts a comma Come on now, never put a period where God puts a comma. So often the enemy in life tries to make us feel as though it's the end. That that thing that you did, that thing that you went back to, man, there's no way that God could forgive you for that thing. There's no way that you could ever walk free from that. There's no way that we could ever come back from that. But God, but God puts commas where man puts periods. And we see this in John chapter 21, We see the restoration of Peter. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to read it. But the reality is, is that we think our stuff disqualifies us from the love of God. We think that our stuff disqualifies us from being the hero that God says we are. And the truth is, we're probably right. We're probably right that we don't deserve the good things that God does for us. We're probably right, we could never be the people that God promises that we could be. But can I tell you something? Jesus' sacrifice empowers us to be the heroes of our stories. It was never about me. It was never about what I could do, how well I could be, how much I could walk away from things and towards other things. It's always been about Jesus. go tell my disciples and Peter. This is what Jesus says in John. Go tell my disciples and Peter. Why? Because I believe at least, you know, Peter had gone fishing. The disciples were still kind of hanging out together. Probably trying to come up with a new game plan. But Peter had gone, he'd gone. He didn't even go back to hang out with his friends. He... He thought, surely I was disqualified. And honestly, it says, go tell my disciples and Peter. I think that everybody else thought Jesus would have disqualified Peter, which is why he had to tell them, go get my disciples. But don't forget Peter, because I'm not, I'm not disqualifying him. Can I tell you something? Each and every one of us finds ourselves in situation after situation where, like Peter, we think there's no way Maybe the last one God could overlook, but certainly this one, there's no way that I could overcome this one. But can I tell you something? When the world says you're out, the gospel says you're in. When the world says you're out, the good news says you're in. And this is Peter's story. Is everybody thought he was out, but Jesus never put a period where God, puts. A, I heard this before. People saying, you know, you need to get your butt out of the way. You know, well, I would do it, butt, and people said, you know, you got to get your butt out of the way. And I realized it's actually better that we focus on the butt which is really weird advice that I would give in church, but we gotta focus on the but. We gotta focus on the but that Jesus says, yes, you may have done it. Yes, Peter, you denied Jesus, but his love never fails. Yes, your marriage may be failing, but God orders the steps of the righteous. Yes, your bank account may be empty, but the Bible says that my God shall supply all my needs. You may be scared to death in Corona, but Psalms tells us that we won't even dash our foot against a stone. Never put a period where God puts a comma. And we see this. This is the good news. This is the gospel that Jesus, his sacrifice empowers us to step out of our failure and be the hero of our story. So what did Peter learn? What did we learn from the story of Peter? Is that success isn't forever, but failure is never final. We see this in the life of Jesus. Success, sometimes is here, sometimes things are good, and other times things are not so good. I love the scripture, Jesus orders, he orders the steps of the righteous. And I had the reality the other day that sometimes you you may not like where he led you to go, But the reality is, is that failure, failure in our life, it's not fatal. Failure is not final. And just because you failed at something, can I tell you, church, can I tell you, Buffalo, just because you have failed at something, just because maybe your marriage failed, just because maybe you failed at that business or that job, maybe all the different things, it does not mean that you are a failure. Can I tell you something? Failure is an event. Failure is not an identity. Can I speak the truth over you this morning? You are not a failure. You are not too far gone for the love of God. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what brought you here this morning. It doesn't matter how many vows you've made or how many promises you've made that you've backed out on. Can I tell you something? Scripture tells us clearly there is nothing, natural, supernatural, eternal, nothing can separate us from the love of God. The gospel is clear. 2,000 years ago, Jesus died and forgave us of everything that could ever happen in our lives that we think would separate us from the truth of who we are. But I've realized something. Knowing Jesus forgives you is half the battle. We have to forgive ourselves. The good news is you may have failed, but it's not over. The good news is that Jesus took Peter, the betrayer, the failure, the liar. But Jesus' sacrifice makes Peter the hero. I realized something. If Jesus can do it for Peter, what can he do for you? If Jesus could do it in Peter's life after Peter denies Jesus three times, what can he do in your life? I realized something that no matter what situation that I'm in, no matter where I find myself, it is not over. I don't care how we feel this morning. I don't care if this was the worst failure you've ever gone through. I don't care if these last six months have been the hardest season of your life. It is not over. I don't care if you think there's no way out. I don't care if everybody told you this could never be fixed. Can I tell you, it is not. The good news is that it is not over. We see this in First Peter 4:16 and I'm done. If we see this Peter who denies Jesus, we see him disqualifying himself, and this is what he writes in 1 Peter 4:16. He says, "However, if you listen to this, this is the same guy who potentially just a few years earlier, denies the man that he knows, inspired by God. He knows this is the Messiah and denies him. Not once, not twice, but three times. And he writes this in his book, 1 Peter 4:16. However, if you suffer as a Christian, come on, this is the same Peter. This is the turnaround. This is the scripture that says that that God turns everything around for our good, right? This is when you think there's no good that could possibly come from this scenario. And then you wake up one day being thankful for the thing that you went through that you thought was gonna take you out. This is this moment for Peter where he said, I'm aware of my humanity, but I'm more aware of Jesus. However, if you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear. Come on now, this is the Peter who like potentially months ago was denying Jesus. Don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Come on, this was the same guy. Same guy. It's the same me that did all the stuff It's the same you that did all the stuff. It's the same situations that you thought were going to break you. It's the same problems that you thought you could never come back from. It's the same stuff. But can I tell you, failure isn't final. Watch this. Peter goes from, Peter goes into the crucifixion with humiliation. But Jesus was crucified so he could be the hero. I just want to take a minute, maybe we could bow our head and close our eyes. My hope is, is that wherever you are in Buffalo online in this room right now, that there's some part of you, maybe a big part, maybe a small part that resonates with Peter. That you find yourself here and whether you've ever said it out loud or not, but we've disqualified ourselves from the amazing life that Jesus has promised to us. I'm going to invite you this morning with everyone's head bound, everybody's eyes closed, nobody's looking around. I'm going to ask you really quickly, if you find yourself in that category, I want to pray for you. And I'm going to ask you on the count of three to raise your hands because I believe there's something that happens internally when we make an expression externally. And if that's you and you'd say, this is it, this is my moment, this is... This is my never going back. This is my, I'm stopping disqualifying myself. This is my, I'm just not gonna be the same person anymore. This is my, it's not over. This is my failure, it's not my identity. This is my moment. I'm gonna count, invite you on the count of three. Slip your hand up and you can put it right down. One, two, three. Come on, I see hands all over the room. Can I tell you something? If you put your hand up, please know. This is not a moment where Jesus wants to condemn you into changing. This is a moment when his love comes. This is the gospel. Jesus doesn't shame Peter into changing. Jesus loves him into his identity. So Holy Spirit, right now in this room, in Buffalo, and online, we just invite your presence, Holy Spirit. Lord, this is our moment. This is is our rooster crowing moment. I want to crow like a rooster, but you probably would think I'm real weird. This is the moment we stop running. We stop hiding. We stop living in our shame. We stop letting our failures disqualify us. Heavenly Father, I'm asking that for every person who raised their hand, every man, woman, and child under the sound of my voice, this is our moment. It's not over. Come on, let me prophesy that to you. It's not over. It's not over. Yeah, they labeled you. Yeah, they said those things. Yeah, you did some stuff, but it's not over. Lord, I'm asking that the power of your love, your love that crosses the divide, your love that rescues us, your love that lifts us and calls us Let your love be evident in this moment. Your word says it's the goodness of God that leads men's hearts to repentance. And we want to know your goodness. We want to know you. I want to know you. So Father, we speak to every label that's in place on people, every label that we've placed on ourselves, that others have placed on us, every failure, every situation, every circumstance, every fear, every trauma, every lie, Lord, whatever it is that has separated us from your love, we call an end to those things. We choose corporately as an act of our will to loose that garbage from our souls and to bind to ourselves the love and the reality Are good. Lord, with every ounce of our beings, we want to know you. We're not afraid of you, we're not running from you. We want to know you. Lord, this is our cry, this is our prayer, this is who we are, this is our identity. We are the church and we exist for the world. Let us be carriers of your love and your gospel. Let us be carriers of your goodness. It's who we are. It's who I am. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name.